Hallelujah. Father, we just come to you in the name of Jesus, and we thank you for this day. We thank you, Father God, for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father God, that we can live this life that we have now, knowing this, that we can walk in victory, that we can hear your voice, that you walk alongside of us wherever we go, Lord. You never leave us and you never forsake us. Oh, Father God, we give you praise for today. Father, we worship you today. Father, we just thank you. And Father, I just thank you that you helped me this morning with this message. Father, I thank you that you give me utterance. I speak boldly as I ought, making known the mystery of the gospel. And Father, I give you praise. I give you praise, Lord, for all that you do for every one of us, Father God. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hey, thank you, worship team. I just love these guys. These guys do such a good job. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, happy Easter. Happy Resurrection Sunday. You know, I, I just I was just so excited this morning until I looked outside, and it was snowing. It's supposed to snow at Christmas, but it snowed this morning. But, you know, I noticed that it's not going to last very long either. It's cold outside, and you guys are snuggled in in the house somewhere. So I want you to just sit back and listen to this. I'm going to start off today. It's called He's Alive, and I'm going to start off with a story. It's actually uh, an event that happened in John chapter 20, and, it's, and it starts out with this lady named Mary Magdalene. You know, Mary Magdalene had received a, a wonderful deliverance because of the power that was in Jesus. She had been tormented by demons for a very long time, but one encounter with Jesus, and you know what? I believe that what he did is he just said, I love you, Mary. And he loves every single one of us. And you know, it doesn't matter what we've done in the past. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. So in chapter 20 of John, it says this in, in verse 1. It says, early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found the stone had been rolled away at the entrance. Now, I'm going to switch Gospels and hear this testimony about Luke and just talk about the way he describes this. Now, the way he says it is Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and other ladies or other women went to the, to the, the tomb. And, but they found the same thing, that the stone had been rolled away. But they were curious, just like women are, and they went inside the tomb, and they saw that the body wasn't there. In verse 4, it says, And as they stood puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee. The Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified that he would rise again on the third day. Going back to my text in, in John, in verse 2, it says, She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. She said, they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we 
don't know where they have put them, put him. And, and that we there validates that there were other people with her. But in verse 3, it says, Peter and the other disciples started out for the tomb. They, both, and they, they were both running, but the disciple outran Jesus. The other disciple outran Jesus and, and reached the tomb first. He stood and looked in and saw the linen wrapping lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived. When, when, then Simon, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, you guys. I'm just shook up this morning for some reason. Hallelujah. Father, help me do this. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrapping lying there. While the cloth that was covered that covered Jesus' face was folded up and lying apart from the wrapping. Now that cloth, actually the King James says it was a, a, a napkin. And, and I always wondered about what is the significance of a folded napkin. But I found out this week because Mike sent me some information. And as I read that, I found out that, that it was significant because the, when, when it was time for the master to come eat at the table, that his servant had everything prepared just right for him, including a linen cloth that was folded right next to his plate. And, and when the master came in, the, the servant would have to stand back at a distance because she would not or he wouldn't bother the master. But the master, would he would then eat his meal. And after his meal, if he picked that napkin up and wiped his mouth and his beard and his hands, he had wadded up and he would throw it down. And it was a symbol of it is finished. But if he kept it, if he, was at, if he got up and left the table and the napkin was still in place laying there, it meant this, I'm coming again. That's symbolic of what Jesus, he left a signal there, I'm coming back. And it said, and then after that, it said, uh, then the disciples who reached the tomb, the disciple who reached the tomb first went in and he saw and believed. For until then, they still had not understood the scriptures that Jesus must rise from the dead. Now, in, in Psalm 16 and verse 10, it says, and 11, it says this, for you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forevermore. There were 44 prophecies about Jesus, and every one of them came to pass. I was reading something about this this week, and, and, and the man mentioned two things. It took precision and accuracy for this to happen. And he likened it like a, to a, a master marksman. And, and first of all, it took precision because it had to be consistent. That, that all the time, the same thing, that you'd always hit the target, but accuracy is important because you don't just hit the target. You hit the bullseye every time. And that's what happened. God was so, he, used, he was accurate and he was precise in everything that he did. In verse 10, it says this, they went home. Who went home? Well, Peter and John did, but somebody stayed at the tomb and it was Mary in verse 11, it says this, Mary was standing outside the tomb crying. And when she wept, 
she stood and looked into looked in and she saw two white robed angels one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where Jesus's body had been lying dear woman why are you crying the angel asked her because they have taken away my lord she replied and i don't know where they have put him she turned to leave and saw someone standing there now i looked up that word saw it's it's a, a greek word and it's called theoreo and what it means this it means to view attentively and it means that you look for a prolonged and continuous gaze so she stopped and she was looking at Jesus. But the Bible goes on to say this, that, that she didn't recognize him. And he said the same thing. He said, dear woman, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you've taken him away, tell me where you have put him and I will go and get him. Mary, Jesus said. And she turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which is Hebrew for teacher. She heard his voice that time. But then he said, don't cling to me, for I haven't yet ascended to my father. But go and tell my brothers and tell them I am ascended to the father and your father, my God and your God. And then it says in verse, verse 18, it says, Mary found the disciples and told them, I have found the Lord. Then she gave them his message. Now, this raises a couple of questions to me because, first of all, why didn't she recognize Jesus? She turned and thought he was the gardener. And, and, and so I, I, I thought about it, and I thought he must not have looked. Maybe he looked... A gardener is not a person in a suit and tie. A gardener is someone who, who might be looking a little rough. And maybe he looked this way. The Bible says this in Ephesians 4, 9. It says, but he ascended. Now, what can this he ascended mean? But that he, he had previously descended from the heights of heaven into the depths, the lower parts of the earth. So Jesus had spent these days in the lower parts of the earth. And so he probably looked different to her, but his voice was still the same. And the other question was this, is why couldn't he, why couldn't she touch him? So I found out this, that, that he was in a hurry, that he couldn't be detained because he had to go be with his heavenly father. He had to go get his resurrected body in his glorified body. And when he returned, he came to his disciples in that the evening. And it says in John chapter 20 again, in verse 19, it says that Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. And, he, and as he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and in his side. They were filled with joy as they saw him. Again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. 
Now, this time when he breathed on them, he, they received a, a, a new spirit on the inside of them, what we call the born-again experience today. And he, he had made them new on the inside. And then he told them, if you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. There was one disciple who wasn't there, and his name was Thomas. And, you know, he's known as Doubting Thomas because of this experience, because the, the disciples, when he came in later, the disciples were telling him about the experience they had with Jesus. And he says, you know what? I'll believe it when I can put my finger in his hands and feel the holes that are there, and I can feel the wound that's in his side. Immediately, Jesus just appeared. And he backed up and he showed. Jesus said, here's the wounds in my hands. And you can feel this. Look at look the wound in my side here. And he looked at Thomas. And Thomas said, first of all, he said, my God, I believe. But then Jesus kind of got on to him. He said this, you believe because you saw me. But blessed are those who believe who haven't seen me. And I think that's us. You know why we believe this? Because it's in the word of God. God's word said that he was raised from the dead. And you know what? Jesus said that he would bless us because we believe and we haven't seen, but we've seen it in the scriptures. Amen. So a couple other things that I'd like to share with you this morning is in, in, in uh, Luke chapter 24, there was another time when he visited a couple of followers of Jesus, and they were on, their, on the road to Emmaus, a town that was about seven miles from Jerusalem. And as they walked along, they talked about all the events that had just happened in, in Jerusalem when Jesus just walked right up to them and appeared at their side. But God kept them from recognizing him too. So as they walked along there, he asked them, what are you discussing? And basically, Cleopas is the only one that's mentioned. He said, are you new? Have you not been in the city? Have you not heard about Jesus? That he was a prophet and he did miracles. And, and he, he, he taught us the word of God. But the religious leaders and the Sadducees, they didn't, and they didn't receive him. We thought he was the Messiah that was going to deliver us. But because they didn't receive him, they crucified him. On the, and, and so when he said this, he said, well, have you not read the scriptures? Knowing this, that the, that the Messiah must suffer before he enters into glory. And then he began to share more scriptures with them. He quoted Moses and all the other prophets. But as they were traveling there, he, they stopped for their destination and he kept going. But they, they said, no, stay for dinner with us. And so while he, at, at supper, he broke bread and when he blessed it, all of a sudden their eyes were open and they could see and he vanished. But I love what they said afterward. They said, you know, didn't our hearts burn on the inside when he was speaking the words on the road? His, just him being there made their hearts alive on the inside. Hallelujah. 
another event, the third time that he saw his disciples is when it, the Bible says this in John 21 that, that they went fishing. And, and they were fishermen. In fact, Peter started it. He said, you know what? I'm going to go fishing. But then Nathaniel and the sons of Zebedee and, and uh, two other disciples decided that they were going to go with him. And Thomas, he went with them. But the Bible says this, that they, they fished all night. Now, the Lord showed me something about this that I want to share with you this morning. That sometimes when, when we're struggling or something's not going right, we could be tempted to go back to what was comfortable. Whatever was comfortable, the things that we did in the past that would get pulled back into that place. And that's what happened with them. You know, but the Bible tells us in James chapter 1 that we need to count it all joy when we fall into different temptations because our faith works in us patience. And, and when patience is done, it's perfect work on the inside of us, then we'll be a complete man in every situation. So I want to encourage you, even right now in this situation that you're in, don't revert back. I could see in my spirit as I was praying about this that some people may revert back to some bad habits. But don't go there. You know what? God wants to work in you right now. He wants to... to your faith to rise up on the inside of you and walk you through this situation that you're in right now because he's a faithful God. But they fished all night and it didn't, they didn't catch any fish. And so all of a sudden they heard this voice and the King James says this, he says, children, have you any meat? And that's pretty King Jamesy, But you know, if it would happen today, it might be something like this. Hey, y'all catch anything? I'm a fisherman. I know when you see somebody, that's what you ask them. Y'all catch anything? And then you want to know what they caught it with. But, but they said, no, we've toiled all night, yet we don't have any. And it happened again. Jesus said, well, throw your net up to the other side. But when they, and so when they did, they pulled up the net, and again, it was so full, they couldn't hardly haul it in the boat. And, and so then that's when John said, that's the master. Peter got so excited. The Bible said that he jumped in the water and he swam to shore because he wanted to see the Lord and Savior. And it's obvious why he wanted to do that, because the things that happened next. Now, when they got there, he already had fish cooking. I don't know if you've ever, have, ever had fish for breakfast. The only time you ever do something like that is when you're fishing, usually. If you've been fishing all night, fish for breakfast is not a bad deal. So, but after that, the Bible says that he began to minister just to Peter. If you'll remember, we talked about it last week. Peter had denied Jesus three times. So, the first thing Jesus did is he said, Peter... Do you love me more than these? They'd caught 153 fish, which is a big catch, and they were big fish. And he asked him, do you love me more than your past? Do you love me more than what you used to do? Do you love Jesus more than what you used to do? Do you love Jesus more than the friends that you used to hang around? 
Do you love Jesus more than the things that had you all hung up before? Do you love him? And he asked him this, and he said, Lord, you know I love you. And then he said this. He said, then feed my lambs. To me, this is very significant because he uses the term lambs. You know what lambs are? They're little, they're little fish. <laughs> little, I'm sorry, little sheep. They're little sheep. And, and you know why he said that? I really believe there's a message even in that. It's important for us. The Bible says to train up our kids in the way that they should go. And when they're old, they'll not depart from it. He told him, he said, then feed my lambs, feed the little ones and help them. You know, there's a scripture in, in Genesis and Genesis in Matthew and, and it says in uh, eighteen nineteen it says this, for I know him talking about Abraham and I know that he will guide his house and his children in my ways of justice and being right. And because of that, I'm going to bless him. That's what he said. So I think that's significant that he did that. I love what Miss Debbie's doing during this time, that she's reaching out to kids. And each week, the number grows. It's amazing. She'll say, oh, I delivered this many today. I delivered this many. This week, she delivered some Easter prizes to the kids. But every time, she puts a lesson on the inside of there because we want your kids to know what the Bible says about them. And... Basically, they need to be trained up in the word of God. So then he asked him again. He said, do you love me? He said, you know, I do, Lord. But then the third time he asked him, do you love me? He was surprised that he asked him the third time. And he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And then he began to tell him about his life. He said, you know, Peter, when you were young, you did what you wanted to do. You put your clothes on, you dressed yourself, but there'll come a time when you'll hold your hands out and somebody will dress you. He was talking about him and his life and his death that he would suffer. But then he said this, Peter, follow me. Continue to follow me. Now, what happened between Mary's encounter and the disciples? Well, the Bible says this. It says, when he ascended to the heights, he had a crowd of witnesses with him, and then he gave gifts to men. He, he went to heaven. And here's the other thing he did. He presented himself as the spotless lamb the perfect sacrifice for us. The Bible says this in Hebrews chapter nine, starting with verse 12, it says, with his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, he entered the most holy place once and for all and secured our redemption forever. Redemption is this, the action of saving or being saved from sin. In Romans 8, 5, in chapter 8, it, in verse 8, it says this, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for, while, for us while we were still sinners. He did that for us. And, and then he goes on, two more scriptures about that. It says in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, he made, for God made Christ 
who never sinned to be an offering for our sin so that we could, we might, we could be made right with God through Christ. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says this. It says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. Now, we've been hearing this word essential. I know some people work now because they're essential. There's things, I, I, I spoke with somebody this morning, and I said, are you essential? And he said, yes. And, and, and so the ones who are working right now, they're called essential. And so it made me think, what is really essential? And so I made a list of things that I want to share with you this morning. Here's what is essential, first of all, that you make Jesus Christ your Lord that you ask Jesus to come into your heart and that you walk with him. And it doesn't matter where you're at or what you're doing right now or what your past looks like. You know, the Bible says this, that the minute that you believe this, that God raised him from the dead and you confess him as your Lord, that everything changes. The old things really have passed away and you become new. So I want to, that's the first thing I want to do. I want to pray with you this morning and I want everyone to pray this prayer. Just, it's good to do this every once in a while, just to remind yourself who your Lord is. I want you to say this, Heavenly Father, I'm a sinner, but today I repent. I believe that you raised Jesus from the dead. Jesus, come into my heart. Isn't that easy? I still remember the day that I did that. I remember when I prayed and I asked Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. And I knew that something had changed on the inside of me. <laughs> but after all these years, I know he's still working on me. But that's your start. And you know what? He will keep working on you all the time. And the next thing he showed me this, that it's important for every believer to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, remember when the disciples, that he breathed on them and they received a born-again experience right then or a, a regenerated spirit on the inside. But then 40 days later before he ascended, he said, you'll receive power on high and this power will make you a witness and after that was the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came upon them and they began to speak in tongues. But more than that, the boldness that came on them. And I heard this one time that within three years, the entire world at that time knew about Jesus because of the boldness that started with the disciples and then it spread through everywhere because they wanted people to know about Jesus. And that's, it's so important for each and every one of us who are born again that we want to tell somebody else about Jesus. And I believe that there's going to be more and more opportunities as time goes on that God's going to open doors for us to tell somebody about Jesus. So it's important for us to walk in that door. You know, Jesus said this. He said, I stand at the door and knock. And there's a lot of times where we might not need to knock on that door too and give them the opportunity to receive Jesus. And the Holy Spirit gives us that boldness to do this. 
And here's the other thing that the Lord showed me this week. This is a time to where we really need to humble ourselves. Humble ourselves before God. In the last two weeks, it's amazing how Rhonda and I have spent time with the Lord. And it's almost, there's been times when he's just broken us because there were so many things that just habits and things that we did in our everyday life. And sometimes we just, we just do it and we forget who we are and what we have in Jesus. And he's humbled us. And we've just spending, we've been spending so much time in his presence that he's given us a new heart, that he's given us a new passion and a new joy on the inside. Heaven forbid that we'd go, when we do have the opportunity, heaven forbid that we'd go back and be like we were. I hope that's happened to every single one of you. I hope that you've taken the time to just get into the word of God. And even more important that, than that, pray to, to worship the Lord and let him do a work on the inside of you. And I'm talking to believers now. It's important for us to renew our relationship with him. Another thing he showed me this, that we have to depend on God for everything, that he is our supply, that things are gonna change Maybe this is the beginning of a whole lot of changes in our life. But one thing never changes, and that's him. He never changes. And what he says in his word is truth. And we can depend on him. When we know the truth, the truth makes us free. We depend on him. Total dependence on God. Praise God. Hallelujah. And then Jesus said this. He talked about being a branch, a vine. I'm, I'm sorry, he was a vine and then there were branches. And he said, we're like those branches. But he said, those branches, when they abide in him, when they abide in the vine, that they bear fruit. That's the other thing. We need to bear fruit in our life. We need to be bold. We need to share what we've had or what we do have and what God's done for us, hallelujah, to bear fruit. And the Lord will help you do this. The Lord will help all of us. Can you imagine the opportunities? Um, I'm looking at the building again, and I see it empty. But I believe when we do come back, that there's going to be a lot of people every week that people, I'm just believing God that every week, that somebody or some, a lot of people would come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And then after that, we have, as a body, we have the opportunity to disciple them in the different groups that we have, the men's group, the Bible school, the ladies group, and even in our membership classes. As we share, I believe that what we're going to do is we're going to help them establish a foundation in their life that can help them to get a good start and to walk with Jesus. And then we walk alongside them. <laughs> we do that. We communicate with them. We bring them into our family or this, this, our congregation, I always say family, and we love them, our brothers and sisters. 
it's so important that everything that, that the Lord is sharing with us now, or he has been with me, and I'm so glad that I continue in the things that I've learned from him. The Bible says in, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, it talks about perilous times. And if you read through that, there's a lot of symptoms that he talks about. He, he talks about people being selfish and, and not caring about anybody but themselves. But then he goes down to say that you're different, though, that the things that have been put in you, that's been taught, you know will keep you to walk in salvation. So we need to do that. Hallelujah. We're going to have communion this morning. So I'm going to ask the band to come back up here or the worship team to come back up here. And, and, and we're just going to receive communion this morning. And, and you might say, I don't have the right elements. I saw a video one time where a guy, he, he, he took communion and all he had was a, was a Dr. Pepper and a snicker. So, so I, it worked. I mean, they're elements that represent the, the body and the blood. And you know what Jesus said? Well, here's what Paul said about it. He said that he remembered the night that he was betrayed, that he took bread, and when he took the bread, he told him this. Thank you, sir. And when he took the bread, he said this. Every time that you receive this, I want you to remember me. Every time that you do this. Remember me. And then he took the cup, and in the same manner it says this, that he said, this is the cup of a new covenant, the cup of a new testament. And it's so much better than the Old Testament. We have better promises. We have more promises. And we have a Savior. And every time we do this, you guys... We remember what he did for us. Rem remember. You know, last week we talked about all the thing that, things that had happened to him. That he was, he was beaten. His beard was pulled out. They put a crown of thorns on his head. And then they scourged him 39 times with a scourge. And then they took him to Golgotha. He carried the cross there part of the way. And then he was so exhausted he couldn't carry it. But he, when they got to Golgotha, they spread him out and drove the nails through his hands and through his feet. And then they put him on that cross and he died for us. He did all that. Why? We don't have to be sick. He took our infirmities and he bore our sicknesses and with his stripes we are healed. You know what? I think there's so much power in that, more power than the coronavirus, more power than any kind of sickness. So as we receive this this morning, I want you to think about that. Father, we just receive 
this cracker or this element right here that represents Jesus' body. And we are so thankful, Lord. We're thankful. Thankful that Jesus did this for us, each and every one of us. And Father, I thank you that something supernatural is going to happen this morning as we receive this. That if there's anyone sick that receives this, Father God, I believe that the Spirit of God will fall on them and raise them up and heal their bodies. And Father, we give you praise for it. In the name of Jesus, amen. And this cup, the new covenant, the new testament again, all those promises. Hallelujah. He shed his blood to forgive us from our sins. I've talked about that so much today. But you know what? It's important that we know we are forgiven. And you know what? When the devil knocks on your door and tries to remind you of your past, you tell him, no, I have a future and a hope. And that's in Jesus Christ, who is my Lord and Savior. So shut up, devil. Tell him to shut up. As we receive this, Father, we just thank you. We thank you for the cup too, Father God. Hallelujah, that represents the blood that was shed for us, that we're washed in this blood, Father God, and made new. Father, I thank you that we're sinless in your eyes because you, because what you did, you gave your only begotten son, and we believe in him. And we know now we're not going to perish, Father God, but we're going to have everlasting life. And Father, we give you praise for it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's alive. He is alive. And he lives in us. I want you to celebrate that today. All through the day, think about it. But not just this day. Every day. Did you know? Every day. Did you walk in, in, in the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Did you walk in his promises? Did you walk in his anointing? Did you walk in his power? And you walk in his grace? If you just choose to do it every day, it doesn't matter what you do for a living. It doesn't matter when you go back to work. Think of it all the time. I remember I used to be a truck driver and I delivered packages. And I remember sometime I would just drive down the road and I'd just think about Jesus. I was a new Christian then. And, and all the time I was, I was reminded of my horrible past. But then I'd replace that thought with a new one. Oh no, I'm a new creation. I'm a new person in Christ. So you think that way too. Amen. Father, as we leave, Father, we're going to worship one more time. And Father, I just thank you in the name of Jesus that you're so good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Would you stand up in your house? And, and, and we're going to sing this song. So join us. I really like this song. It's called The Blessing. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Remember this. Rhonda and I love you. The staff loves you. And we miss you. And be in agreement with us that we can all meet again soon together. Hallelujah. But be blessed. Listen to his voice. Be led by the Spirit in everything that you do. He'll order your steps and he'll show you great things. Hallelujah. All right. Have a good Sunday. Have a good Resurrection Sunday. Praise the Lord. Children, and their 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 children, and